For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Alex Gilstrap and Ryan Roberts, two NFL draft analysts. Today, we've got some buzz coming in today. So Alex, otherwise known as James Gilstrap, is coming back from his honeymoon. We've got Ryzen Draft over here announcing the launch of risingdraft.com we've got a lot going on 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 your two folks's end so how are you guys doing man uh, you guys are probably doing great right now fantastic i'm happy james could be with us you know he comes back on the worst position group probably in next year's <laughs> draft so it's good times man it's fantastic times so. yeah yeah no good honeymoon good wedding good honeymoon everything's going well so uh and then get to start a new job with the atlanta braves today or you know today's we're recording this monday for tomorrow um so there's a lot of moving pieces going on get to get to be excited to be a part of this this uh launch with with ryan on his new website so a lot of big things right now well that's what i was going to say is we need to congratulate alex as a part of risingdraft.com as well one of our key contributors so a lot of fun stuff launching august 1st i hope everyone takes a look have everything from scouting reports to featured articles to podcasts to everything that you would need nfl draft related and I am there for moral support, as as always. I am, I am the moral support person. Guy. I responded to Colin Sutrick. Well, you, you, dude, you're the, you're on you're on the pod you're on the podcast that's on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Episode. I I am the podcast. Let's be real with ourselves. People tune in for for oh, Joe Dealey, and they don't tune podcast. in for you guys. My <laughs> Joe, Joe, I I think. Oh no, forget. No, no, forget. no. I what? was going to say. I think I've been on every single. What? I was going to say, I think I've been on every single podcast. I think I've been on more podcasts than you, but that's actually a lie. So. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely not true. I, you've been on more radio <laughs> spots, but I think I've been on more podcasts than you. All right, so <laughs> so I'm I'm more I mean I'm more legitimate because more people listen to radio probably than our podcast, right? So that's not wrong, but radio is dying. Let's be real. Uh, all right, so today's episode we mentioned we're talking about the interior defensive line class, a group that Ryan is not very much of a fan of and we'll, we'll get into that discussion before we can though i need to tell you folks about bet online july is almost over we're going into august and if you're into betting on sports bet online is where you should go to win some money today with the nba finals ending and the mlb heading into the second half of the season there's plenty of betting action to get involved in if you're a football better there are tons of futures and props you can wager on as well bet online has all of the latest odds news and information for all of your online sports betting needs 
Visit their website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So guys, we're talking about interior defensive linemen today, the big boys in the middle on the defensive side of the football. And Ryan, as you alluded to, yet another year where it is going to be a relatively weak class. Maybe we have a good guy at top like we had a few years ago with Derek Brown, but here we are yet again, a struggling interior group. And what I want to bring up before we get into breaking down this class is I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on do we think that this is going to be a continual trend where the talent at the interior defensive line is always going to be relatively middling, where it's going to be mostly day two players, as we've seen over the past few draft classes. I I think that we're in a weird kind of no man's land, because I think what we have seen over the last few years is defensive ends are getting smaller, and those bigger defensive ends are moving inside. So everything... And that's, that goes from every position, right? We're talking the transitions that always happen is offensive tackles move into guard or into center. Corners go to safety. Outside linebackers go to inside linebacker. Defensive ends go into defensive tackle. So I feel like we are seeing an influx of that transition. Bigger defensive ends now moving inside. The issue with that is that it's never really been a thing. You know, I feel like we're kind of just in a weird spot now where that transition is going to happen i think it is cyclical though because i don't think that for the rest of time we're going to have just bad defense interior defensive line classes we have hit a couple bad ones in a row we do have a young man that we're going to talk about tonight though that i think is the perfect case study for it and i'll get why that is directly to how what i'm talking about when we when we discuss him a little bit but there are there there is one guy that I think in this class that has the potential to rise into being a top ten, top fifteen type talent. But it is a hollow class, and I think that is because we are seeing that still that transition of hey, everybody on the field is trying to get faster. Those big nose tackles that people used to value so much are not a trendy topic anymore, right? Those guys that used to play three-tech are now playing one-tech, and these big defensive ends are now moving up inside. It's not a sexy thing to be an interior defensive lineman, but I think we are on the way back to it because we have seen in recent years even Malik Jackson's a big defensive end coming out of Tennessee. Isn't flexible enough, isn't bendy enough to be a defensive end full-time, but hey, eventually he moves on inside. Leonard Williams played defensive end at USC. He was drafted to play interior defensive line, but we are seeing these bigger ends move inside as that trend continues, I feel like we are going to hit a few classes in a row where we now have bigger, more athletic defensive linemen who were once at one time going to be looked at as edge players. But I think that we're just kind of in the, the, that transition period of when we are going to see that influx of talent on a full-time basis. Because we even saw Rashawn Gary a couple years ago. I thought it was going to be an interior defensive lineman, but he, oh, I want to I stay fit. I want to play defensive end because defensive ends – Make more money. It just is what it is. Guys want to play on the outside, but eventually we're going to hit a time when those bigger body defensive ends are going to be full-time interior defensive linemen, and that's where we get those incredible talents, those incredible athletes that are going to change the narrative and are going to change the, the uh, I don't want to say projection, but change the the influx of how talented the interior defensive line are, the trend of that class. 
just a, a random note. I don't lot. mean to cut you off, Alex. Yeah. No, that was that was a great insight you pro- provided there. You, you caught my attention when I said Malik Jackson because uh, <laughs> I don't know if you recall from this past week, Ryan, but I saw him at an In and Out. I don't. I think I might have been the only person who knew who he was, but I knew immediately knew it was Malik Jackson. Why, Go ahead. Why was Alex. he out there? Why was he out? He lives there? in. He's Did from he LA. I, I was curious. Something? I'm like. Wh- I'm like. There's no way that's him. He was oh, wearing yeah. a soccer jersey that said 97 Jackson on the back. I knew he was like six five, and he was a big wow. dude. And I looked him up really quickly, and he's from yeah. Northern Los Angeles, and we were over in Northern Los Angeles, me and my girlfriend. So like, it's it, he was it, wearing, it, it he was, it was totally a soccer bad. jersey, huh? That's why he's so soft. Yeah, that's why he was so soft. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan didn't even care that I saw Malik Jackson. He his first question in the chat was, "How do you like In and Out? Is In and Out actually good?" Not. <laughs> I, I've heard. I've never had an <laughs> with you, Ryan. That was, I was curious. All right, let's hear about your thoughts on the on the class, though, Alex. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, absolutely. So, my thoughts. I don't have as vast of a knowledge of this this position group as Ryan because with the honeymoon, with the wedding, I wasn't able to go as deep as I wish I I, I could have. But I'm I'm through eight or nine guys, eight or nine guys that I feel like are towards the top, and I'm with you. It's I got to four and I just was like, man, this is, this is it. Like, this is boring. <laughs> like, This class yeah. is just not very good. You, you alluded to it, Ryan. There's one guy that plays out of position. I know we're going to talk about that positional thing throughout this entire episode about that transition. There's one guy that's playing out of position that has that top 10, top 15 type talent and athleticism for his size. But aside, aside from him, and, I, and like I said, we're going to talk about him in just a minute. It's really, really depressing. I mean, there's just not a lot to like. I love watching interior defensive linemen. I love watching penetrating uh, interior rushers. And I just – there's some guys that, you know, you see it with. But I, I we're going to get into our top fives. And I think the back half of my top five are day three players. So, like, I don't think I see right now more than three players that I would even think about taking in the top 75 or so in this year's class. And that's just – I, I, Joe, you asked at the top, is this a trend? I don't know if it's necessarily a trend. I think, like Ryan said, we've had two years in a row where we've kind of had down years at the position. But, I mean, two years ago, we had Derek Brown, who's been, you know, really good to this point. And Javon Kinlaw's been had it up and down, who were both, you know, top of the first round guys uh, just a couple years ago. So I don't know if it's necessarily a trend. I think it's just a down couple years. Um, and there is, there's just a lot of, it's hard because you talk about the college game and, and translating to the NFL game. And sometimes, like Ryan said, those edge rushers in college, those guys, you know, that win with strength and have enough athleticism to play on the outside don't have enough athleticism to hang at the NFL level with NFL athletes at, at offensive tackle. So, uh, so they are forced to uh, move inside. And we see that at this position group much more than we see at a lot of other position groups. Corner to safety, you, you brought up a couple other – uh, example. So I'm with you 100%, Ryan, from what I've been able to see this point. I'm really under underwhelmed with this group, a group that I usually enjoy watching, uh, but I just don't see but one guy I, I really see first round caliber play from at this point. Well, and if you look at some of the early mock drafts, you see a guy like, and I'm going to, I know we're probably going to talk to him, talk about him a little bit at some point, but like George's defensive tackle, Jordan Davis, right? Like 6'6. Six, six, 350 plus pounds, like an absolute bulldozer. Yeah, true zero tech, one tech. Like that's what he is. He's not going to move outside of a two or two I. Like that's just not what he's going to be at the next level. 
And 10 years from now, might have been a first-round pick. But I, I, met, I put it out there on Twitter once I saw Jordan Davis in multiple first-round mocks. I'm like, fellas, like he's not going to be valued that high anymore because he's just not a position that is – is entirely impactful. Like I, I think I, we had somebody on, uh, I forget who, Oh, it was Blake Bedingfield. We had him on the Mavs sports take former um, director of player personnel with the Tennessee Titans. And he said, we used to call them two down pluggers, right? These guys that don't impact third down. They're become one down players. They don't play a ton anymore, man. Right. Like it's just not a position that is heavily valued. So a guy like Jordan Davis, no chance he goes in the first round. Is he a good football player? Yes. But those players are just not nearly as valued as they once were. And this will continue to be a trend. You talk about trends at this position group, and you talk about the devaluation of those nose tackles, those 300-plus pound guys that line up one one tech, zero tech, those guys that are primarily run run down guys. What's a – like – the, the NFL game is so pass-happy at this point, and I think that's a trend with analytics and such as they continue to go is going to continue to be. You, you have guys like Patrick Mahomes. You know, you have these young gunslingers, and we're, st- we, we're still you know feeding them out. Trevor Lawrence is going to make Jacksonville a more pass-happy team. And running the football is just not a priority like it was. Like you said, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, a nose tackle would be a lot more valuable uh, in a much run-happy NFL much more run happy NFL than it is currently, and I think that's. A I remember some buffoon on Twitter tweeted that linebackers are the running backs of of defenses in terms of their value. I don't know if you guys remember. Is that are you shaking your head? That's the wrong quote. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I was shaking my head because I disagree. With yeah, you. I, I remember correct. that did happen. I saw that no, on that, Twitter. I remember that. Yes, you're and right. I think that if we're actually properly evaluating trends of positions, the interior defensive linemen and especially nose tackles are the running backs of defenses because there, there is just a. And I, I know. Go ahead, Ryan. What do you got? Sorry, go ahead, Joe. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say I agree with you completely, and I know we don't want to go into linebackers too much you know, because we're going to talk about him a couple weeks from now, but having a guy that can impact the game on three downs on the second level is much more valuable than an interior defensive lineman now. Unless you're Aaron Donald or one of those guys that can truly impact the game both in the run and pass game, it's just not valued like it used to be. It just isn't. Right. That's what I was getting at is that it, it's now becoming for linebackers – there are a lot more More of them are being built like safety, so we're just seeing a change in prototype. Instead, what we're seeing with the defensive linemen is just less use, and it's the same thing with running backs. There's less bell cow go-to running backs now. It's a couple different guys sometimes that get into the rotation and different various uses based on what you're trying to do offensively, and as Alex was saying, being more pass-happy is kind of part of it. So interesting thoughts there on the defensive line, and I think that's very important to establish before we get into this group. I'd like to open up, as we usually do, by sharing your two's uh, highest upside player at the position, and it appears you're in agreement with DeMarvin Leal, the defensive tackle out of Texas A&M. And I think most pundits that cover the NFL draft would agree that DeMarvin Leal is a step ahead in the group. So why did you guys pick him as your high upside player? Um, yeah, I, mean, I hate to disagree with Ryan, or I hate to agree with Ryan because I like to disagree. I'm taking <laughs> over this time. Uh, 
But simply put, the, the reason he has the upside and the reason he has a top – this is a guy that we're talking about that's playing out of position. I know, Ryan, I'll let you dive into that even more because I know that's that's something you're, you're wanting to bang the table on. So, But DeMarvin Lille, 6'4", 290, they just don't build athletes at this size quite like they do with DeMarvin Lille. Like the, the, he's just – his flexibility, his – his burst, his you know, just overall athleticism at that size is really, really rare, and I think that's what separates him. I don't think you have a clean prospect right now. I don't think this is someone that would step into the NFL Week One this year and be ready to go. But you see the athleticism and you see the flashes, you know, and you and you see the high level reps to where you know that you know you continue to work on the consistency, you continue to work, and you put him in a position that he needs to be playing. And this guy can be a high-level player uh, at the next level. And like I said, it, it's simply they just there's just no other athlete in, in this group that we, we've studied this week that that competes with Demarvin Leal uh, just from that athleticism standpoint. Yeah, I, I will say that Demarvin Leal listed at six foot four, two hundred ninety pounds, like Alex said, playing big ends for Texas A&M. So he's playing five all the way out to nine at points. Like he's that dude for that Texas A&M defense. It's an odd fit. And it's honestly a little bit of a cloudy eval to a degree because you know that he's not going to be that on the NFL level. Could, could he play five tech in a three-man front? Yeah, probably. But I, I think that he is most suited. He's a three-tech, four-four-eye type of player. He could play some five, absolutely outside shade of the offensive tackle. Like, he can do that. There's no doubt about it. I think he can even play six. Like, he can play head up on a tight end at, at points. Like, I think he's that talented of a football player. But he's playing at a position that doesn't take advantage of his biggest strengths right now. Like, he can win the outside track sometimes, but he is a true power converter and the inside swim moves, the inside club rip. Like he is just such a smooth, flexible athlete that he doesn't look out of place all the time on the edge. But when you're talking about where he projects best, getting him inside, working against offensive guards, man, it is going to be such a mismatch on a regular basis because he's so quick. He's so agile. He's so flexible inside. And I will say, man, 290 pounds, you could have told me that man was 270 pounds. I would have believed you. He carries wow. that weight so well. He could be, dude, he could be 310 pounds with and still look good. Like, not bad weight. Everything would be good on that frame. That frame is so clean. And this kid, I would agree with Alex. He didn't grade as high for me just because I haven't seen him do the interior stuff enough. It's hard to project it when you haven't seen it. But athletically, this dude at 290 pounds is doing backflips for fun in practice. Like, this dude is a stupid athlete. Top 10 pick, you can sell me on it. Top 15, absolutely. This kid is definitely a first-round caliber player because the, the unteachables, the gifts he has, working on the interior as a rusher, this is a potential high sack total interior defensive lineman when he's put in the proper position because he's just so much more athletic than any interior offensive lineman that he's going to face. And just to add to that, I mean, the fact that Texas A&M, a talented defense, so there's talent on that roster on the defensive side of the football, on both sides of the football for that matter. Yeah. But for them to trust him and for him to to have the high-level play he does at 290 pounds, like you said, rushing from a wide nine at times and winning on the outside track is just a testament to the overall athleticism that this guy has. And, I mean, God, to win at 290 pounds on the outside track, that – I mean, this is an athlete. This is an NFL rare athlete. 
Yeah, and they have two other defensive ends in that system that are probably draftable players. So I think that what we're going to see a lot more this year because last year, so they have Tyree Johnson, who's a really light 230-something pound, like kind of 3-4 outside linebacker who's a great outside track rusher, incredibly explosive. And then they have Michael Clemens, who's six foot five, two seventy with vines, six, you know, thirty-five plus inch arms. What they ran into last year was Michael Clemens got hurt, so you know, moving to Marvin Leal inside just wasn't a wasn't an option for them anymore, right? Like they needed a guy on the edge full time. So I think this year with a healthy Clemens, with Tyree Johnson on the other side, your ability to move now Leal inside to play more of a full down basis inside. I feel like that's going to be optimal for just his progression as a football player because the unteachables are easy to see. Like It doesn't take a good scout to see that that dude is a freaky athlete. So getting to, I, I think, what is always a, a fun discussion point is we took a huge deep dive there on Leal, which, <laughs> let's be honest, might be the only guy that we... He's the right, only one we can just skip the rest yeah. of the show at this point now. <laughs> Our favorite topic, and I think what's always fun... I know it's negative, but we, you know we got We can't always be a hundred percent positive as evaluators. Our biggest bum watch list this year, named after Marvin Wilson, the player who everyone considered to be last year's Derek Brown, and he goes undrafted instead of in the top ten. He is now a part of the Cleveland Browns. Let's see if he actually contributes there this year, though. If we're looking for a player to be overhyped early on in this draft cycle that's probably not going to pan out to the level that we think that they will. Who is that guy? And Ryan, this name that you picked, I think is going to cause maybe some uh, a bit of reaction from some people, those that tune in, especially Alabama fans. I, I can't wait to see if we have any Alabama fans who tune in and on the YouTube channel and leave some comments. I'm curious to see what they say. But why did you pick... Fedarian Mathis as your bum watch list. Oh, uh, that was I misread. Uh, Sorry, Alex. Switch it Oops. up. <laughs> no, Wait, go ahead, Alex. Go it, ahead. <laughs> All right, I'll run with it. Uh, Fedarian Mathis, uh, what is he, 6'4", 310 or so, 315, somewhere in that range. This is a, what is he, a fifth-year, sixth-year senior? I feel like he's been at Alabama for a decade. Yeah. Um, and... The reason he's still there, a defensive tackle at Alabama that's been passed up by younger guys year after year getting drafted, and he's still there, is because he's really not that great. I mean, he's someone that's played in his three playing years at Alabama, has played 250-plus snaps every year, and he's been a steady Eddie player. But this is someone that I don't know why I've seen him in top fives, but I've seen him in top fives. And and for someone that has just been an average player, I think – over the over the course of his career, he's just a career player that's just been average at the collegiate level. There's no traits to him that you get excited about. You just get steady Eddie play, and I think he's a below average athlete at the defensive tackle position. And I just, I just, you just look at these rankings right now where you see him in this top five, top six, and I think it's really just the Alabama name, the Alabama school, just holding him up. And it, and it is a bad class, so I can't completely hate on anyone from like thinking this guy might be one of the better guys but in this year's class but there's a reason Christian Barmore passed him up and there's a reason guy you know the guys before him passed him up as as younger guys and it's just because he's always been the second third best player on that interior line for Alabama he's just never been the guy at the collegiate level so I'm not confident he can ever be the guy at the NFL level why is 
someone that's never even really done, you know, dominated the the collegiate the collegiate football field. I can't have any faith that he could ever play up to par on the NFL field. So that's just that's just really where the stems from for me. Yeah, and I mean to add into the the very average and ordinary play of Mathis, you know, obviously he's played a ton for Alabama. He wears number forty eight on the interior defensive line, and it's just aesthetically not pleasing at all. It is <laughs> hideous, to be honest with you. Not a fan of it. Um, I thought, Joe, that you were leading off with me when you first you know started talking there. Well, your pick is very similar in Marvin Wilson. Yeah, I think Corey Durden is also well, going to say it's the Marvin. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say it's it's the Marvin Wilson pod, um, you know, watch list. And I had I picked a guy that played next to Marvin Wilson last year at Florida State and transferred to North Carolina State this year, Corey Durden, who is six foot five, two, 320 pounds, and looks the part, um, to say the least. And I actually had an agent ask me to, you know, just give him a little bit of context and opinion of Corey Durden. And I ended up giving him a fifth round grade purely because I think he's a good athlete. Like he, he has some athletic gifts on top of being six, five, three twenty. But I will say this is the only thing that buoyed him up that, that uh, evaluation I did was the fact that he's a good athlete because nothing else in his game gives me any, any positivity towards how good of a football player he's going to be. He is not very strong. He lacks strength at the point of attack. Um, and then he's just a technically not refined player. He loses his integrity towards the line of scrimmage. You know, you're supposed to stay square and compact. His shoulders fly open. He gets displaced out of gaps. Corey Durden, for me, is a lot of talent. I know that PFF really liked him a ton because I think he graded fantastically in 2019 season. And for me, he's a he's much more athlete than good football player right now. He is He's just a guy. To me, I think he's talented. I think that he can get there with a great season as he stayed. He cleans up some of the technical flaws, but right now he is a very overhyped player because I don't think that he has the all-around game that is necessary for him to be drafted any earlier than being a late-round flyer. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched him this summer. He didn't make my watch list, but I watched him last summer because he was a name, you know, this time last year. And I didn't really like him then, and I heard it only got worse in 2020. So it wasn't someone that really interested me to watch. But I remember, you know, dating back to last summer, I agree. He's he's a good athlete. There's a you see the upside of him, but he is just yet to put it together. And I think that's something that we've seen a lot with Florida State def- Florida State defenders uh, over the last couple of years, and that's just a testament to a bad coaching staff. I think I brought that up on this podcast a couple of times, but. Yeah, it's just someone that, like you said, is all athlete right now, and I think people are just continuing to bet on that athleticism, thinking that he can turn it around, but at some point you have to play with some level of consistency as a football player, someone that uses his hands and gets in the back. So flipping the script here on a more positive note before we get into the top fives for the uh, your interior defensive lineman lists, let's talk about our Levi on Wuzurike watch list, which is the term for the for My the guy. guy that is going to be a potential out of nowhere riser and I, I i recall last class i feel like levi o didn't have maybe as much buzz as some of these uh, as some of these other defensive lineman prospects from the last class but he ends up being very very highly drafted 
come you know come draft time not a first round pick but still drafted as one of the first guys selected from that interior group so if we're going with a name that we think could just out of nowhere shoot up some boards who do we think it is ryan let's go to you first this time so i went to pittsburgh's defensive line i know it was a weird year last year because everybody thought pat jones maybe had some first round potential including me you know obviously dating back to last summer um, but he ends up, you know, falling a little bit. I think he went in like the third or fourth rounds. Then we had Rashad Weaver, who also went in like the fourth or fifth round. It was the other big defensive end. And then, of course, um, Jalen Twyman, who unfortunately was just released, you know, obviously from the uh, incident that happened with with um, him being shot multiple times wherever. So, you know, with the physically unable to perform less and all that good stuff. Um, everyone thought that, hey, maybe that's a second round pick. Maybe it's a late first round pick. He ends up going in the sixth round. I will tell you, I think the best defensive lineman, most talented defensive lineman Pittsburgh has is a young man coming back this year in Deslin Alexandria. So this kid is a big defensive end, and we talked about the Marvin Leal potentially moving inside. This number five for Pittsburgh has been talented. He's been a guy that's played a ton behind Pat Jones and behind Rashad Weaver, and he flashes a ton. And apparently the word is, you know, he moved inside a bunch last year on, on obvious passive situations because, hey, they had those two big defensive ends. It sounds like there's going to be a more uh, full-time type of move for Alexandria here. He is um, six foot three plus, 283 pounds, verified measurables. And I think that he has 33-plus inch arms as well. I think there's a lot of talent for him as an interior rusher. I'm excited to see him full-time inside because I think – that he's a guy that is a potential mismatch weapon. Can he play some base end in some obvious situations? Yeah, I think so. But I also believe that if he is more, if he is moved inside on a more permanent basis and use that that quick twitch and that physicality has against interior offensive linemen, I think he's a potential weapon. Yeah, I can't speak much. I had the one guy I didn't watch, but from from the sounds of it, it's someone that uh, we need to get our we need to get our eyes on over here because. Uh, there was some talent on that Pittsburgh defensive line in 2020. So uh, if you think this is the guy out of the three of them, I mean, we're talking about a day two player probably. Alex, how about you? Who was your guy that you think could potentially shoot up some uh, shoot up the board this draft cycle? Yeah, so for me, it's uh, Clemson's Tyler Davis. Uh, Tyler Davis is 2019 as a freshman. Absolutely came onto the scene, started for him, played a lot of snaps on a Clemson defense that was very talented and blew up. I mean, he was very productive as a, as a freshman in 2019. 2020, I believe he had an injury, and I, I can't remember. I know he got rolled up on a play. can't remember what game it was, and he just didn't look the same. He played the rest of the season, uh, to my knowledge, but 2020's film, just he didn't look quite as explosive, but – I went back uh, after realizing the injury was kind of holding him back because 2019 he was so productive. I watched him 2019 uh, for Tyler Davis, and if he can get back to 2019 form, athletic, athletically and, and confidence in moving with his lower half, I mean, we're talking about a dude. I think you have a flexible athlete that is relentless uh, you know, through the offensive guard as a three-tech that can get in the backfield in a hurry. And, and those are the kind of guys, if you're not going to win, you know, those quick wins and get the sacks, you're not Aaron Donald. 
at least get in the backfield and cause disruption, you know, open up lanes for second level defenders to come in and clean it up. And I think that's a lot of what he does really, really well uh, from what I've been able to see is he gets into the into the body of, of offensive linemen, gets them into the pocket and, and, and can cause disruption throughout the entirety of the game. And like I said, 2020 wasn't quite as impressive because of the injury early on in the season, but I mean, guy, if he can if he can get himself healthy, which it sounds like he's on track to do for 2021, he can have a season like he did in 2019. I think this is someone that no one's. I mean, he's his name's out there, but no one's really talking about him as a, a top 50, top 60 pick. But I think this is someone if he puts together a, a, another productive season like he did his freshman year, and we we have the traits uh, to be that to be that top 50, top 60 player. I was going to say Tyler Davis for me is what we call a grinder. Um, he was a guy that was paramount for the team in 2019, 2020. Like Alex says, he gets hurt. I, I think to the Notre Dame game as the perfect example, I, I think that people talk about Trevor Lawrence not being there and that being the big impact on the game. For me, Tyler Davis not playing in that football game was absolutely huge for a Notre Dame team that ran for, you know, Kyra Williams alone, 140 plus yards. So I think his impact is paramount. He's going to get forgotten a little bit on that talented defensive lineman that has that defensive line that has Miles Murphy and Brian Brissy, who are rising sophomores, who are going to be dudes in the 2023 class. But I think Tyler Tyler Davis's impact cannot be understated for that Clemson defense. So let's get on into breaking down and discussing your guys's top threes. Before we do, we like to go into the four and five spots for your rankings and sharing those. Ryan, you had Thomas Booker out of Stanford at four, and then five, Haskell Garrett out of Ohio State. Alex, on the other hand, goes Haskell Garrett at four from Ohio State, and then Ralph Holly, Western Michigan, at five. So I got to ask here, Alex, you go with a Western Michigan guy, uh, a group of five player. Why did you pick a group of five guy? You know, he's just a... <laughs> I struggle with this year's class, as we talked about at the top of the show, and I decided to put my stamp on someone who I thought dominated his level of play uh, for for all of 2020. I mean, he's one of the highest graded uh, defensive linemen, and you, you watch the film and you see why he's disrupting the backfield constantly, causing causing disruption, making plays on the quarterback, making plays on the running back. Um, and at, at 6'2", 285, this is someone that has the build and the body that I think can hold up at the NFL despite you know playing at a group of five school. But you see the level of dominance he's able to put out against you know fine teams in college football, you know the Toledos and, and Akrons, I think I watched, if, if memory serves. I mean, not great schools, but he dominated. I mean, he simply looked like he belonged on another playing field. He didn't belong on the football field with Toledo and Akron. He needed to be playing Power 5 football. Um, and so for me, I think this is a confident, you, you can tell the confidence it exudes in him, uh, when, when, when watching his film and he just knows he is bigger, faster, more flexible and stronger than any interior offensive lineman he's going up against. So I see, I see an NFL body that I think when you, sometimes it's beneficial for some of these players to dominate. It, It gives them the confidence, uh, when transitioning to the next level, we see that all the time with lower, uh, you know, lower level players transitioning to the next level. Some people think the lower level competition hurts them, but sometimes I think the confidence that they get from dominating college kind of carries over to the NFL. They can, as long as they have the mindset to continue to work and know that they're they're they've they've gone into a bigger pond now. 
you know, this is someone that I think has all the skills, the size, the strength, the flexibility I thought was really impressive uh, with Holly uh, for his size. I think this is someone that can that can play in the NFL and, and be a rotation, you know, a good rotational uh, interior lineman. So, Ryan, I also just want to hit on here really quickly. You guys both go with Haskell Garrett in your top fives. What is the motivation behind uh, including Haskell Garrett? So, for me, I had him at number five, and I think he had he's he's got a day three grade for me. I can't remember if it was a fourth or a fifth round grade. So he is. The backstory is: Hey, he played at Bishop Gorman um, in the Tate Martell Bubba Bolden years, right? And he. Um, very talented football player coming out was a kind of a bigger end. And then he kind of transitioned a little bit inside. Now he's right around six foot two, 300 pounds listed for Ohio state had to wait his turn was buried behind some top talented players like Devon Hamilton, Tommy Togiai over the last few years, finally gets his opportunity. It was a weird one because he wasn't a guy that was supposed to have a huge impact because he had gotten, into an accident before the season. I think he got shot in the face, if I remember correctly, which was just a bizarre what? story, to say the least. Yeah, yeah, it was a crazy story. So he missed, like, all of uh, fall practice, and and he had missed, I think, maybe part of the beginning of the season. Don't quote me on that. But then he comes on at the end of the season, and he's their best interior defensive lineman, you know, kind of working down the stretch. And what he is is he's a he has a good first step. He's a penetrating player. He has the ability, to, I think, to affect – you know, outside zone schemes. I think he's a quick gap shooter. I think that he has some pass rush prowess. The problem is he hasn't played a ton. And to be honest, he, you know, he fourth round grade, I think is what I officially had on him. And it's just the work in the run game. I don't see a player that's going to affect the run game a ton outside of the occasional flash play tackle for loss. He doesn't have a ton of length to him. He's just not, you know, he's just a guy that's going to get washed out of gaps at times. He's going to get displaced a little bit because I don't think he has the play strength, I don't think he has the length to really withstand double teams. Like I don't think that's his game. But as a rotational player that you can use his gap penetration ability, I think Haskell Garrett does have some appeal in that regard. Yeah, I think simply put, he's just limited. I mean, like you said, uh, in running situations, something that isn't as big in the NFL as it once was that we talked about earlier, he just is – Unaffective and and as a pass rusher, you see hands, you see good hand usage, pass rush moves, and that's where you get some excitement from him. But I think this is someone that had his best year in twenty twenty, uh, obviously with with Devon Hamlin, uh, Hamilton out uh, and, and moving on to the NFL after the uh, it, th- during the twenty twenty NFL draft. And I just see someone that athletically, I'm not too excited about he's a fine athlete I think he has fine length I don't think it's detrimental to his play at the next level but I just don't see too much wow to him I think this is a steady Eddie player at the next level that's going to be in a rotation and for me four and five in this year's class I talked about it earlier are day three players and that's just another another reason to talk about how this class is just pretty poor this year just to wrap up our show today before Ryan goes on to a, another podcast appearance. Uh, I w- we need to get through guessing each other's top threes. So, Alex, guess Ryan's first, and then we'll swap. I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, DeMarvin Leal is going to be number one. He's he's the only one that can that can fit that criteria. You talked about Tyler Davis being important, so I'm thinking about him 
And neither one of – there's a couple of Georgia guys you talked about. I know you like Travis Jones out of UConn. You made a tweet about it. I'm going to go DeMarvin Leal, one. Tyler Davis out of Clemson, two. And Devontae Wyatt is a name that people like. Thomas Booker, you've already said. Uh, I'm going to go Perrion Winfrey. People like him. Oklahoma. All right, Ryan, your turn. Hmm. I'm, I'm going to go DeMarvin Leal, number one. Uh, number two, I'm going to say is Jordan Davis from Georgia, and number three is Tyler Davis from Clemson. Okay, so you're both wrong. Uh, I'm not even sure you guys, either of you, were correct enough to win this week, anyone to win. So Alex's top three goes as such, DeMarvin Leal, Perrion Winfrey, and then Tyler Davis. So he's, he's high on Tyler Davis. You were close, Ryan. The Converse of that, Ryan's top three is DeMarvin Leal, Jordan Davis out of Georgia, and then Perion Winfrey out of Oklahoma. So we were close. Not really, though. You guys got the top one right, which was uh, pretty easy to guess. We already talked about Leal. I feel like we touched on Jordan Davis a little bit. So I'm curious to just get your guys' thoughts on Perion Winfrey, who we have not really spoke on. Anybody? Oh, I'm sorry. Me first? Oh, you I, I, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> we got to no, edit that. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> it's staying in the video. <laughs> I, I expected Ryan to go, and then I know we've been working with the delay. No, so somebody go. Waiting. We're keeping this in the video. Guys, this is professional. <laughs> Those tuning in, this is a All right, professionally I'm going, produced I'm going, podcast. I'm going. <laughs> go ahead. All right, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. Perry okay. Winfrey. Junior college transfer before 2020, number eight interior defensive lineman on a very talented defensive line for Oklahoma. Maybe the best defense Oklahoma has had in years. They're working with Isaiah Thomas, who's an inside-outside type of defensive end. Nick Benito, who's a stand-up speed rusher, outside track rusher. Perry and Winfrey might end up being the first one selected, and if he was the other guy outside of Leal, obviously, that you told me is going to be a first-round pick. He might be the guy for me just because I think that he has a lot of athleticism. This kid is a potentially special athlete on the interior. The problem is some people don't, haven't watched the film on him because he plays with so many talented football players that he gets buried a little bit with reps. You know, they, they're rotating so many guys. I think he only had like a, a sack or a half a sack last year, only five tackles for loss just because there's so many mouths to feed. But I think when you pop on the film, number eight can move, man. I think he's a scheme versatile player that whether you are an odd man front, when you're an even man front, he's a gap penetrating interior defensive lineman that has a lot of appeal at the next level. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Lille and his athleticism being so rare for his size. I mean, Winfrey's athleticism is no slouch. I mean, this is this is the next guy, and I think there's a tier break in between one and two, and I think there's a tier break between two and the rest of the class. I think Perry on Winfrey, for me – uh, is that next guy as far as athletic can can play anywhere like you said scheme diverse uh, interior lineman that can that can move outside a little bit because he has good athleticism in my opinion uh, and, and like you said it's just he, JUCO transfer that came in in 2020 and played a lot of snaps right away and that's just a testament to the good football player he is especially in a crowded room you said zero sacks half a sack a sack whatever it was it, he did have a low sack number but I think he had like 23 25 pressures uh in a limited season obviously with the COVID season so 
didn't have the sacks. And I think the sacks will come. The tackles for loss will come. But he had the pressures, and that's what I'm looking for uh, when you're talking about you know the production. Just getting in the backfield and making disruption is, is key on the interior. All right, well, I think that's a good note to wrap up today's show on. Folks, thank you for tuning in and bearing with us. Uh, be sure to hit the subscribe button, whether it is on your podcast platform that you're tuning in on or on YouTube. Leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform. And, hey, drop a comment if you have any thoughts on any of the guys that we discussed, especially if you disagree. We love to have discussions. Uh, follow us on Twitter at NFL Prospects Pod and on Instagram, NFL Prospects Pod, at Joe DeLeon, at Ryzen Draft, at Alex Gilstrap. You name it. Check us out. We've got great content. Uh, stay tuned for some fantastic interviews coming your way this week. I believe we have Jason Brown, the South Carolina quarterback. And then uh, I'm blanking on who I could. Oh, uh, Jack Snyder, San Jose State offensive lineman, is the other one. So stay tuned for that. Enjoy the rest of your week, folks. We'll talk to you soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money.